Yep. You ready oh, to do a show? Hey, Miss Human Activity. Oh, uh, just a second. Do you want to do a show? Uh, let's do a show. Let's we'll, do, a we'll show. do a show. Okay, <laughs> here we go. There it is. It's a special episode. Peter, check your framing. Lean in. It's a special episode. It is a special episode. You want to explain? No. We'll get to the specialness of the episode in a little bit. Welcome to Hollywood Anonymous. I am Brian Irwin. I'm John Huck. Oh, there he is. Um, I, as we were getting... We're Facebook living this. this. Obviously, when you listen to this episode, that will not matter. Lean in a little bit, Brian, if you want to say hi to people so they can see your there mug. You there you go. Uh, it will not matter. However, you can watch the video version of this as long as we save it. I think Facebook Live. This is me sounding like my parents. Now, with this Facebook Live album... This thing, uh, you, it'll this VHS uh-huh. will play everywhere. Should like, I later? should I tell that when I get? What did you do today? Wow, we put out a, a VH, uh, we put out a, a live stream album on Facebook. <laughs> it's pretty good. So anyway, we're this uh, we're we're trying a lot, but this is uh, this special episode. We're going to talk about Crawlapalooza Four with Peter Sprite. You want to say it a little slower, Crawlapalooza? Go ahead. You just did. Uh, yeah. I'm just saying you said it so fast, people don't know what we're talking about yet. So as we were getting ready for the show, and I was on Facebook trying to make this Facebook Live thing, read, this article popped up, and it said that um, the biggest threat facing middle-aged men was not was not obesity and was not exercise. It was loneliness. And they made me feel sad immediately, and I shouldn't even be sad because <coughs> I'm usually around people. But Well, I just, yeah. I mean, look, loneliness is a... Uh, still going, huh? Just turned it, just turned it way down. Oh, you waiting? Sorry. Okay, there. Um, yeah, no loneliness is serious business, man. People, <laughs> it's people not a need, business. Pe- well, no, you know what I mean. It's like people need contact with other people. That's uh, that's science. Good talk. Good wow. stuff, everybody. We, by the way, we are uh, we're re- remotely broadcasting as well. Yeah, I don't know if you can tell. It's a term we used to use uh, in radio. You broadcast uh, uh, remotes. Minute two, everybody. <laughs> Brian made it to minute two before he mentioned radio. Uh, yeah, this is like this is kind of like a video radio, huh, Brian? Video radio? Yes, it's video radio pops. Video is just like radio; it's just you can see it. Can I just point out one more technology thing? Because we're, we are <laughs> we are broadcasting, that. or we're, we're oh we're, yeah, we're broad- remotely broadcasting, if you will. Uh, in the bathroom, have you gone to the bathroom and used any of these waterless urinals yet and try to figure out how this shit works? Uh, yeah, I get in there with my hands and I try what? to figure out what's going on. I, <laughs> I pick up the cakes. No, I haven't. What do you mean gotten Have in you there? ever seen one? I yeah, think, sure. I think I mean, when, I, I hate, to, I don't want to be too vulgar, but when, you know, when your urine hits it, I feel like it's sparking, like it's just evap, like it's zapping it and it's just disappearing. Ooh, it still, by the way, smells like a regular bathroom. Because, so let's not kid ourselves. Well, it's not, no, because if it is doing that, in fact, if it is evaporating the pee, you're still getting pee vape. It's actually, yeah, worse to me. Like you're vaping. Speaking, of, yeah, you're vaping. You're vaping your own. <laughs> you're vaping your own urine. <laughs> it is not a good smell. No. I mean, mine is good, <laughs> but other people's. Ew. You still got to use the microphone even when you're Facebook living. Oh, sorry. I thought we were doing a live radio. Well, video. no. Just we, we we talked about it before. Just show them the back of your head. You specialize in back of the head looks on on television. See right? how that's, bald that is. There it is. Oh, you guys that's... may recognize that from so many shows, right oh, there. there. Yeah. Or or from uh, episodes of Punks called "We Didn't Get Enough Background to Sit in This Restaurant." <laughs> so anyway, here we are. We uh, um, we decided to go remotely and uh, decide to do a uh, one off. I know Jen and Eddie are not in this episode because we have other guests in, in studio with us today, and one. One of them is a repeat offender, uh, Peter Sprite. Yes. Friend. You can talk, Peter. Yes, but make sure show. you work the mic hey, properly with whatever that thing is on your head. Permission. Queen Amadala. 
Move the mic closer to you, Peter. Okay. You should know. You you did stand up. Oh, Why sure. do you not know how to work a mic? I, I uh, well, he's sitting down. You see the difference when you stand up to do comedy. He's up. He knows. He understands yep. the flow. I'm not of that a sit mic. down comic. Yeah, he's not Bill Cosby. Yeah, will be one day. Eventually, soon. it's coming soon. I'll be lonely. <laughs> we see? um sad. We are at. <laughs> We are actually here to uh, uh, talk about uh, Carlapalooza, which has been an amazing event. It's the fourth year. Uh, let's, but let's go back. And I, did we talk? I don't remember. Here's the thing. It doesn't even matter if we talked about it in the last episode because it's been a while. But the whole concept of Carlapalooza, Peter, you want to give us a quick background on it and then we'll kind of talk about the years as they progressed? Um, uh, I can tell you about the, the genesis of yes. Carlapalooza. Yeah, whatever. Um, whatever words you uh, want to use. My uh, wife, Suzanne Kroll, died in the summer of... Uh, 2013, and uh, uh, shortly thereafter, I was on the phone with my friend Tig Notaro, um, whose name, I don't need to tell you who she is, because unlike did. me, people know who she is. Um, uh, but she was asking me what she could do to help me, and um, I, one of the many things I was uh, concerned about and worried about, obsessed about, was um, Suzanne was a great uh, role model for my daughter um, because she was a very caring person and um, uh, so my daughter no longer had that person in her life and um, uh, so I, I had two different um, things going on in my head at, at the same time one, what can we do to keep Suzanne's memory alive and what can we do to help my daughter realize that that the things she sees in the world that she sees as injustices or that bothers her, um, she can do something about those things. So um, Tig and I kind of together decided let's do a show in Suzanne's memory to benefit causes Suzanne cared about, both um, uh, as to honor Suzanne and to give my daughter an example to live by. And saying that, which and and that's and that that's kind of like the cool. The, I always that's a great um, minus the fact that you guys had to go through the tragic part of it. But, but taking always being able to to take tragedy and and find a way to uh, put a positive spin on it. And I think obviously for you, you had a, another layer, which is that you know how do you um, you know that that was a fear. And I think you and I talked about this. Um, your daughter was five, I believe, when she Suzanne passed. Uh, was just turned five a month yeah. before. I should say the exact thing, same thing that I just said without this. On without, it. <laughs> <It's> <laughs> fun. but um, uh, yeah, for those of you who are not watching the Facebook Live video, Peter is wearing his cosplay uniform from uh, Comic Con. Uh, I don't know which character you were, but. Um, it's a neck, also known as a neck, neck pillow on the top of his head. We lost the. It was a, it was a cheap version of. Uh, uh, it probably, no, it probably just went to sleep. You know, computers they go to sleep like the elderly if you ignore them long enough. So, the um, uh, but what was, going back to the the uh, the thing? It's take it to full screen. Ah, it's fine. We'll work yeah, it out. Right, no. Let's just let's just it's fine. We'll, all right, we'll, all right. I'm just trying to give people something to. But you know, one of the fears, one of the fears, in in in, in when. Uh, um, a child at that age loses a parent, the, the fear is they will forget and they will have no guidance whatsoever from that person um, or any shared knowledge. And so you kind of like we're trying to combine a couple of things here, which I think is I think is, is very honorable. But at the same time, as you and I, I believe, learned, um, it's actually not easy to put on shows, is it? Um, uh, <laughs> year one, I would say, was the 
bite off more than we can chew here. <laughs> but it was a great um, show. Yeah. I don't I don't want to say that it wasn't. But we had a very short window, I think, to kick off the first year. You had a from from the time you decided you wanted to do it to the time that you actually did, which was at the Wiltern Theater. Yeah. Oh wow. So um, that's but a it, big. It was big, and we. Well, I shouldn't say we. I feel like I'm taking way too much credit here, but but the point is, the show. Um, I think about 800 people showed up to that we show. We had just short of a thousand, actually. Just short of a thousand. Okay, something. fantastic. And that first year, uh, who was on the lineup that first year? For? It was uh, hosted by uh, um, Ian Harvey, who's a transgender comic, which was uh, fitting because it benefited a transgender youth group, um, and. Uh, Pat Oswalt, Zach Galifianakis, Tig Notaro, and uh, Reggie Watts were on the lineup. Yeah. So, so that's a solid lineup. Yeah. <laughs> and, and, and it goes back to what you were saying before, John, about the fact that um, what ties us into kind of what we talk about here on Hollywood Anonymous is using your celebrity or using your fame to help causes. You know, so and, Peter and, and using as as comics and 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 using your sense of humor, like you you can do, like you're an accountant, you know numbers, you 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 know you do, you're an airline pilot, you know how to fly a plane, but if you can tell jokes to strangers and get them to laugh when they know uh, why they're there, you know what I mean? That that that's a huge give back, and that is that is something I think <clears throat> every comedian. Uh, should maybe try to do in one way or another, and which brings up a good point. So, so um, like, the, let's take the first year as an example. It was the first year, and if I'm not mistaken, you had to go on stage to kick this thing off. And and you've done comedy at that point, I think, for almost two decades, I believe. So it wasn't like you were incapable of delivering a message and making sure that people were okay with laughing, because you know the the, the charities sometimes are marginalized people, are victims. And it uh, and the genesis of this came from the fact that a daughter lost her mother. So you kind of have to set that tone before a show, and then say, "And eh, now laugh." I mean, how did you process that information of like, "All right, how am I going to pull? How do I get from that part to get them to just go? You know what? Screw it." Or were you not even worried about it? I, I at that point, I don't think I was worried about it. I there was a a big warm crowd, and um, given the lineup, I wasn't worried that. Um, they would light up once the performers came out. Um, I do remember it was a. It had there was it had drizzled a little bit that day, so I thanked them for showing up with a partial cloud cover and <laughs> told them in other parts of the country there would be no show. Um, uh, and then uh, the woman who ran the nonprofit talked for a bit, and the show kicked off. And I I, I don't never intended for this show to be something that I did stand up in. It, and you haven't to this to yeah. date, right? You come up, you introduce and then you remove yourself. Yeah. Cause that was not the driving force it, for you. It, I, I want the shows to be about, uh, the, um, uh, beneficiary and about, uh, Suzanne yeah. and the comics who've given their time to do the show. And, 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 and talk a little bit about like, so, okay, so, so you get through this first one and there's two goals as you learn through this. One is there's this whole concept of trying to create awareness an awareness campaign and also just trying to raise money. How have you been able to balance that and what matters most to you when you go about and do these things as you're moving towards the one that we're going to talk about in just a few minutes here? Um, you know, I think it changes year to year. Uh, like uh, last year we benefited a deported veteran support house and they're located in Tijuana and um, we raised uh, I think about $25,000 for them and 
in Tijuana, that money goes a long way, and they were very cash-strapped. And so we raised over a year's budget for them. Oh, wow. Um, okay. Uh, so th the money was a huge issue for them. Um, by the same token, I didn't even know deported veterans were a thing. I was I just about to say, uh, about <clears throat> this is kind of the first time hearing about it. Well, and, and that's the so, thing. Going back to that, how how are you how are you coming across the charities that you ultimately? Because a big part of it is the fact that they kind of go unnoticed. They are marginalized, and so how are you finding out about these organizations that you end up getting involved with? I, I every year it seems like um, I let people know that we're doing the show again, and if people have someone in mind, they tell me, and um, at some point the right. Uh, group appears. Okay. And I kind of trust that will happen. Okay. So um, uh, last year it was a, a friend of mine who um, was a reverend uh, uh, in a local church who knew uh, an Episcopal uh, uh, priest or whatever they are in that church in San Diego who um, did services on Sundays at the wall between uh, Tijuana and uh, Cal and the United States, literally so, at the wall. Literally at the wall. So there were people on both sides of the wall, and he would. Oh, do oh okay. That was the reason why. Um, okay. So and, and so he had been working with this deported veteran support house. So um, she was aware of it through him, and then uh, he put me in touch with the person who runs it, who is a deported veteran. So it, it kind of. Sorry, go ahead and finish that. I, I'm finished. Oh, okay. So what I was going to say was that after you did the Wiltern, which is a little bit on the bigger edge, I, you made the shift, I think, between you and Tig. You guys decided uh, to move it to Largo, which made it a little bit more streamlined, a little bit easier, because Largo was, it was was so excited it, to have you guys to start. Easier right? for, um, uh, Tig has a great rapport with uh, Largo. She does a show every month. The people there are amazing. Uh, the guy uh, Flanagan, who runs it, is a very warm, generous person. He loves stand-up. Um, he understands um, uh, events like this are, um, uh, you know, we don't have a lot of cash to give him up front, so he doesn't charge us at all. He gives us a big price on, uh, break on the price. Uh, he writes us a check at the end of the night. It's it's it's, it's clean, painless it's to work with him. And this is the Largo that uh, Tig that kind of like brought Tig into the prominent, like a, the second phase of this thing with the whole Louis C.K. the the night that she found out she had cancer. Is it that that was, was this that, the same Largo that stage where that now legendary set took place? Yeah. And 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 the second year, uh, who did you have on the show that second year? Uh, second year was uh, um, Angels in Waiting, and that year was uh, Kumail Nanjani from uh, Silicon Valley, uh, John Mulaney from his eponymous sitcom. sitcom. I got so tongue-tied saying eponymous, I couldn't say the word sitcom. Well, that's what happens um, when people are always trying to use big words. That's why I almost <laughs> use none. Uh, and uh, Tig... Uh, uh, Tig, of course, it's every year. Um, uh, and then, should I go on to the third year? or? Yeah, well, yeah. let's go to Angels in Waiting just for a second. So what was that one? What was that charity all about? Um, that is run by a woman who's a uh, neonatal intensive care nurse. And she, um, in the 90s, was seeing an uptick in 
uh, at-risk neonatal intensive care babies who were orphans because they'd been abandoned by their uh, birth mothers who were um, addicted to heroin and meth and, and so on. Um, so she she actually adopted some of those babies and she started talking to other neonatal intensive care nurses to okay. try to um, get them to, to be foster parents or adoptive parents because those at-risk uh, infants who, who had no homes um, went into the foster care system and a lot of the foster care parents weren't well-equipped to handle infants who had extreme medical needs. Um, so, and she was a bootstrap. She kind of ran it out of her house. Everyone was a volunteer, um, and they'd done amazing things. They've changed legislation. Um, uh, they're now working with uh, L.A. County with to help them with their foster care and uh, adoption um, processes, and and they've placed so many babies in much better homes. Um, so that was them. No, that's and that's it, it, it's always amazing to me and, and we'll, we'll we'll go to where we're at now today but um the fact that the, everything you're talking about is like very heavy very serious like <clears throat> there's consequences there's human consequences to all these things and yet somehow you're like you know what we should do a so, comedy show comedy show <laughs> <laughs> but it's if it's what you know right i mean i guess we kind of saw <clears throat> that back in the day with comic and, relief and stuff like that where and, i think yeah, we've been and, exposed to it <clears throat> And I didn't. Oh, I'll, oh I'll, we got our cough. So we radio and cough. No, no, radio and cough. Uh, I want to. I'll take back what I said earlier when I said I think all comics should should try to give back in this way. Like I don't. I can't. I don't know what other people are into or what they care about. I can't expect people to think Drugs. like me. But if if you're a comedian and you're wondering how you can, you know, you can you can give back to a cause that you believe in or somebody that's helped you out, there are ways. You can be on a show that is a charity show. You could kind of organize your own show and donate that money. But uh, also, yeah, I think when a subject is heavy, like some of the best groups of people I've seen on one stage have come together because of like a natural disaster. Like every time there was a, a huge natural disaster, like Tenacious D would organize a huge concert and, and it would be an amazing show. It'd be all people I'd want to see in one place at one time and it'd be great, but knowing that they were also giving that money to a charity, there's just a way to, like with, you know, you come out, you talk about a heavy subject and you're like, and now for your comedians, people need to break up a release kind of yeah i mean laughter it's you know i'm not saying there's not better medicines but <laughs> it's laughter is, is pretty helpful it, we and, and moving to this point let us let's bring in our our other guest which is uh alejandro valenzuela sitting patiently that's that's what you know she she made some noise up front i did i didn't know you you were okay. laughing and how dare you enjoy yourself well, some, some, and, at some point we need head. to tell people who's going to be on this year's show we will we're going to podcast novice we will do all of this right now but with so you're the executive director of most is that exactly no. how I'm saying it's it? Pronounced most. Like you just said here on the piece of paper, pronounced most. I did. I put okay, it so quotes. Peter wrecked that because he's been getting this in my head. He keeps using the word E afterward, the whatever, not the word, the letter E afterward. So I went with that. So I apologize. Think of it like French. The E's silent. Okay. It enunciates the consonant. And we'll get to why that is. Also, Brian is, is old mannish in his ways. Like my dad, when he first saw the word punk written out on TV, he was like, oh, so how's that working on punk D? I'm like, <laughs> all right, dad, it's not that. But see, so Brian doesn't no, no, I'm. I, yeah, well, okay, fair enough. I'm not, <laughs> not going to lie to you there. But you are the um, uh, um, 
we say I already asked this before. You're not a charity. You're a nonprofit. I mean, it's, what is what is the difference between a charity and a nonprofit? Good question. Or is there not really? I mean, you're still. Or is charity straight up maybe I, just I money, think, not I services? The connotations to me are a charity is, uh, to me, feels like someone who's helping people who have trouble helping themselves. And okay. To, to, I, and I, I'm talking out of my nether regions. Absolutely but, you are uh, right now. Um, this is a group who's, who's um, uh, empowering uh, young women um, who, who is helping them find you know, their own... Path and I don't know. You take one. That was that was great, Peter. That was probably (laughs) one of the best speeches I never wanted to hear. Go ahead, Alejandro. (laughs) I think maybe from a legal standpoint, they're the exact same thing. Okay, but in in terms of from a message, yeah, paper paperwork and all is probably very they're probably very similar. They're relatively the same. They probably have the same five hundred one c three status. But to me, charity. It's, um, you know, it doesn't necessarily say solidarity. Okay. It's kind of just like, oh, yeah, on a whim. Yeah, I give to this. But when I think of a nonprofit, even though that's, it's more neutral of a word, but I think that, you know, there's, there are people behind it and, you know, you, you build teams that are actively promoting something greater. So okay. that's, nonprofit to me is neutral, but it could mean much more positive things behind it. Also, yeah, it sounds like like a, <clears throat> with a charity would be like, okay, we're just donating some money or whatever. And with a nonprofit, there's like an investment. Like you're donating money and then maybe you're volunteering and then you're growing these places and helping these people through that. Is that correct? Like with charity, it's just like, all right, we had this concert, we raised that money, then everyone kind of walks away and goes, look what I did. Yeah. Whereas a nonprofit, people might get involved. One of my, uh, my board of directors said, you know, nonprofit is a tax status, not a business plan. So, you know, even, even the word nonprofit too is like, well, yeah, that's the other thing is people hear that. It's like, <laughs> I Oh, I work, really I work great. at a nonprofit. Like, well, how do you do that? Yeah. Like, why are you working there? <laughs> you can volunteer, but can you work there? I yeah. mean, how does I, that... I do that at home, but that's a completely different it's a nonprofit. Thing. Brian's family's a nonprofit family. They don't make any money. <laughs> There's absolutely no give back for my children. I can tell you that right Man, Maybe a little bit of love from time to time for their mother. <laughs> See how yeah. I did there? Yeah. I went down one way and then I took it's it. It's called a misdirect. We are at Corella Palooza number four, 27. The date of this event, which you've been doing, I believe, the same time every year, which is April 1st, or has that been a floating date? Okay, so it's always April Fool's. Uh, Have you had any problems with that, that people don't buy into what you're selling because it's April Fool's? Or are people kind of over the whole, like, ha-ha, whatever? Empowerment. April Fool's. (laughs) 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 Just kidding. You're all useless. tax write-off. Just kidding. (laughs) (laughs) And who's on this? It's at Largo, of course. April first. Uh, what time and who's on it? It's uh, uh, show kicks off at eight. Mm-hmm. Um, this year we have a pretty awesome lineup. We um, one way I introduce this lineup now. I just a couple of days ago, uh, uh, Rolling Stone came out with a list of the fifty greatest comedians of all time, according to them. And of those, you know, twenty eight are no longer doing comedy or um, no longer. Living um, uh, but happens the, quite a bit. Of the twenty-two that are still doing comedy, we have three of them on wow. our show. Wow! Wow! Yeah. So okay, that's, that's a great amazing. way of actually really, really great <laughs> yeah, way incredible. putting it in perspective. That's for sure. Uh, and th- those three being Tig, of course, um, Sarah Silverman, and Margaret Cho. Nice. Um, in addition, we have someone who I would go to see if they alone were doing the show. Uh, those being uh, Garfunkel and Oates. The mm-hmm comedy folk duo 
And we have one uh, little wrinkle, um, uh, a woman named Amy Berkman, who's a speed painter, who's oh, cool. pretty amazing. John will dig that. I like speed uh, painting. It's cool. What does so she do? I, What's I've, her? I've seen videos for her. I've never met her. She's a uh, nose tag. Um, uh, she's done these paintings with two hands at the same time to music. It's just, it's uh, very entertaining to watch. Yeah. But you don't know what you're watching because she paints... <laughs> Does she, she paint upside down? Upside down. Yes, and then she turns it over. And then you think, wow, that that's really interesting. That sort of looks like something. I have no idea what it is. Yeah. At the end, she stops. She puts down her brushes, turns it right side up. And up, you're like, oh, my God, it's Abraham it's Lincoln. Or whatever. <laughs> but yeah, yeah. Having said that, now people who are going to go to the show are going to turn their heads upside down and it'll ruin and she, it. No, don't everybody. cheat. That's like, that's like saying, I want to know how the magician did that. No, you don't yeah, yeah, don't yeah. cheat. No, it's, it, that's, I've seen... A uh, video of probably not probably her, but other people online doing that. It's it's very f- interesting and fascinating that you're that a mind could even uh, comprehend that you're paint like how you're painting upside down. I mean that's and with two hands at once. And with two hands at once and at a, and at a pace that's not even like like if it was meticulous. If she was okay, right. and if it was real slow, but she's obviously doing this to music and she gets into it and has fun with it. So it's like. That's a real, like, that's a, quite a dance, it's, if you will. Uh, yeah. It takes a lot more talent than any of us. Oh, yeah. oh yeah, yeah, yeah. I'm, I'm always jealous if anybody can do any of that kind of stuff. I, I, I don't know how the brain, the human body works when it functions that way. I've got, I have none of that. I can barely put together a microphone. But you have your athleticism. <laughs> oh, yeah, 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 yeah. Good call. Uh, I'll be. Sh- I'll, I'll take care of the shameless stuff. The tickets, uh, general admission tickets, are seventy five dollars. I believe there are some VIP tickets for this show also at two hundred dollars. Mm-hmm. That, that's to be safe to say. Obviously, VIP would mean that you get a lot closer to the stage to see the show. And I'm going to do one more shameless thing, just because I've been to these shows in the past, and I think it's important for some people to know this. Yes, you are coming to support a good cause and being a part of an amazing event, but uh, you never know what famous person you may be sitting nearby. That's all I'm going to say about that. But anyway... Who, who, um, you, you, want to talk, you don't want to talk about who you sat by? No, no, no. I'm just oh. saying in oh. general. Oh. I don't know who's going to be at this one this year. I know that there may be some familiar faces not only on stage, but also in the crowd. And it's like one of those things where you really get... It's just a feel-good all the way around. And I believe they do serve alcohol outside the, uh, the seats. It, it's a small... Relative to the Wiltern, it's a oh, small yeah. venue. It's 270 seats. It's intimate. So there, are, there are no bad seats. No. Um, no, just one gets you mega close, and yeah. then the rest of them, you're still close. Um, and one thing you may have caught is this year, uh, the lineup is all women. Yes, which, which is extremely important. Time. And the reason why is because of most without the E. With the E, but not saying the E. Yes. The French version. Um, am I still on the same? Yep. There's a reason why um, I w- that was intentional on your part or Tig's um, part? Or where, it where was that intentional. Come? Yes, uh, when uh, we chose uh, to work with Alejandra and most, um, uh, we thought, let's, let's do an all-woman lineup this okay. year. And the um, reason and, is? And, well, partly because... Uh, um, you were tapped out on guy comics because there aren't enough? I'm sorry. You were tapped out on men comics because there aren't enough Couldn't men comics. white dudes to tell well, jokes. I, I mean, that is kind of a side issue. There, there. I go have been a part of and seen way too many comedy shows that are all male or all male with one woman or or so on. And there are so many amazing female comics and so many mediocre male comics that it's kind of an injustice. Um, and this show is is you know one indication of how great a show can be with an all it might be our best one yet um 
So um, the layers. And by the way, there is a Twitter account. There's a new Twitter account that's out. That's called uh, I think it's like at only one woman on this show. <laughs> Where she posts oh, all the shows where the it's like, all, yes. the lineups are outstanding. Look at all these male comics. Yeah. Oh, yeah, and that, that girl's going to be on it, too. Yeah. Back to the outstanding male comics that are yeah. on this show. Wow. But, all right, without, let, let's obviously just, we'll, we'll swing to you. So, mm-hmm. going to what Peter is talking about, making the focus um, be female, which now more than ever, it seems like in today's climate, is also um, just as important to continue to raise awareness for that. Um, why did we go down this path? Explain a little bit uh, uh, what the top in it was with most. Yeah, so I think the, um, you know, most was founded in 1986, and it was at the time when affirmative action was being dismantled in the legislative branch, or all around, um, and there was a woman who was a female author and motivational speaker who really wanted to make an impact in a young girl's life, and she thought, wouldn't it be so great to make that introduction in middle school? A time when girls, you know, puberty's hit. Yeah, everybody's a weirdo in middle school. Oh, yeah, Everyone is confused. Yeah, <laughs> They're going crazy. And there's there's a lot of girls that, I mean, children in general. I can't just be specific to, to girls, but she wanted to focus on girls. Um, and the idea is when you when you focus on a, a girl, um, hello, phone. <laughs> <laughs> uh, when you focus on a woman or when, when a woman receives her education... She thinks about, great, what can I do to now support my family with it? And, you know, apparently studies have shown when a man receives his education, he thinks, all right, what can I do for me? So we feel no. like... <laughs> so we feel like if focusing on women, you're really, really caring about the entire community mm-hmm. and you're bringing the community into the conversation. And so that's how most was founded. It's, it's okay. where we started. But in, in, in talking to you um, the other day, one of the things that um, getting more specific was um, there's the ideology of what you want to do, but then there's the whole process. Kind of what we talked about the process of putting together a show. There's all this process of finding these people and inspiring these people and working with these people. And this isn't a one-day plan. Mm-hmm. This is a long-term plan, correct? Yes. And, 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 and I don't know how long have you been at the company now? Or not the company. I'm sorry. The Yep, company. Is it, okay, we'll not organization. Non-profit company. Thank so, you, non-profit charity company thing without the E. Interestingly enough, um, 12 years. 12 years, but okay. But only 11 of those, well, only one of those has been paid. Okay. I was a volunteer. Okay. For I just fell in love with it. I became a mentor. How did, how did you find the place? The, I was at a networking... I just, I just yeah. gave it another title. The place. <laughs> no, 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 but yeah. <laughs> I was at a networking event, and after she you know, gave me her for-profit card, she just continued to talk to me. It was a woman on the board at the time. Okay. And she said, you know, I also am part of this other organization. Have you ever thought about mentoring? And I had always wanted to mentor, but I was never proactive enough to you know, go out and search for something. So when it landed on my lap, I knew, yes, this okay. feels right. I've got to take it. Kind of like how you choose Palooza, you know, like what, what feels, you just kind of know. And I fell in love with it. I started to mentor um, an eighth grade girl. And, you know, next year I had another girl come through and I joined the board. I, you know, it, you got I, just involved. Didn't, I didn't go away. I loved it. And, and who are you? Are you like a lifetime person that's always been like a volunteer type of person? Like, what's your what is your background? Did you did you struggle through school? Did you, or was it always kind of a thing for you? Like, wh- who did you see yourself becoming? And now you are who you are. 
I think I came from an educated family, so I am not first generation to go to college. Both okay. of my parents did. I'm second okay. generation. Okay. And, you know, I come from a family of immigrants. My grandparents came over here uh, across the border undocumented. They started as um, farm workers in Michigan picking blueberries. And then he moved, my grandfather moved to San Jose. They continued to work up there, saved up enough money to buy a gas station bought another one and then became a very successful mechanic repairing, you know, engines. Wow. That's amazing. And yeah, I mean, and this is, you know, and, and my grandfather knew that by coming here, he would provide his family with a better life. Okay. So my dad, even though he was born in Mexico, he, um, he actually didn't get his citizenship until, um, Reagan until amnesty. Okay. So, and I didn't even know this about my dad, that he was a Mexican citizen, pretty much, you know, all my childhood. Wow. Um, as well as my grandparents. But they, my parents knew the importance of education. So for me, it wasn't a question of, am I going to go to college? It was, you know, where do I want to go? Okay. But in terms of volunteering, no. That was not on your radar. No. And okay. I, I say this in um, a very, I don't mean to be crude or, well, I guess it's a comedy show kind of. Yeah. <laughs> I can be funny <laughs> so though. You can All say right, whatever so you want. We actually I'm talked just, about urine earlier okay, in the good. show. I don't know if you remember good. that. So I can say um, uh, another word. So I was asleep when I emerged from my mother's vagina. <laughs> I'm not joking. I was asleep. And they didn't spank me to wake me up. They, but you were breathing. You they, were just I like breathing. sleeping. But this, is real, this is a real. This is real. your own saying. birth. Oh. Like, this isn't metaphorical. Like, I was no, asleep, no, now I'm, I'm awake. <laughs> this is like, I was taking a nap when my mom pushed me out into the world. I wasn't <laughs> ready. I, like, so I like oh, to you say... Were re- you were ready or relaxed as shit. What are you <laughs> talking about? <laughs> but I wasn't to like wake up and my whole thing was it like set the tone or like a blueprint and you know they massaged me I woke up a few minutes later uh, and you also got a spa treatment and, yeah, and the, the and nicest wake the up ever and they put on music I'm not even joking and I've never had an alarm clock since <laughs> Incredible, but I always laughed because I thought, "Gosh, you know what? I'm just a late bloomer." You know, I didn't quite get it in the beginning, and I feel like that's in terms of like giving back and being a volunteer. It's very much like that. I, I didn't really understand it or care much until probably my early twenties. Okay, but and, and but that's, that's when, still. But even in your early twenties, that's a that's a, still a a fairly early age to kind of wake up in in, in that in that think? sense. I do, yeah, we're men my, talking to you, in, trust me. We don't in, wake up until after 40, <laughs> if at best. Uh, yeah. So Honestly, like when I'm in my 20s, like college, I I mean, yes, I was like, oh, you volunteer, that's great. Oh, you work at a shelter, that's great. Like I would never put anyone down for doing it, but I'm yeah. not the first, I'm not gonna be like, oh, I gotta help out. Like I was really just like trying to figure out my own life and very self-involved. But as you get older, you realize that by helping other people and by doing worthwhile stuff, you then become and feel better about yeah. yourself and everything. So it is, well, it's, like, it's self-serving at the same time as it is, it is, as it is important. You would help sense. like a buddy carry the pony keg up the dorm room. Sure. Steps. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. It's not like I never volunteered to do anything. Like, yeah. I would always volunteer to, like, You helped me move go. a couch that one time when those people got divorced. Remember that? That yes. was fun. I got a table out of it that yeah. is yeah. now so it sitting in the corner of my apartment as we speak. We, uh, we basically took people's things they couldn't have together anymore. And that was probably one of our greatest, highest moments in our lives. And I don't think, through. I think I was single at the time. So I was like, hey, what's this uh, chick's down. deal? <laughs> Moving a divorced lady's table, like, so if you needed, like, a muscular guy around, yeah. she 
is a first get off, out. You never had a chance if your thought process says, "Hey, what's this chick's deal?" Oh, that was always my that's thought. That's a turn that's, on, boy. That's, that's my a, thought. That's my thought process. No matter where I go today, even though I'm married, I'm looking around going, "What's this chick's deal? What's this chick's deal? What's this chick's deal?" Um, speaking of that, uh, with, without such uh, man terms, um, so you eventually get into this, um, and walk us through the process though, uh, and, and all it's, it's, it, everything is great in theory, right? But there, but then it has to succeed in practice. Yes. And so when you first started, it sounds like you were kind of like a little bit on the outskirts and then you started getting more and more involved. Take us through the process of really what, what is all involved in making sure that you have the best chance possible for the candidates that you are, are, are going through this process and how that's been working out? I think the, um, you know, empathy is such a, a great thing to have. And it's what I lacked. Um, I lacked perspective into this type of, um, you know, first generation in their family to go to college. Um, you know, so what does the household look like? What does the environment look like? How much importance is given on education? And how often do they see things outside of what we call the five-mile bubble? So the, the beauty of the program and the mentors that are there for the girls, their mission or their job is to take them out of that five-mile radius and expose them to their passions and their interests. So mine was dance. And I took the second girl I've, I've mentored who is now married, she beat me to the altar. Like, that's how long I've been with this. Did you guys have a contest? Was there an actual understanding that the first one in wins? Yeah, it yeah. was like, it was like American Pie. Yeah. They all threw in like and, dollar bills and, and, into and, a bucket. And, and just, just to stop you there for a second, I just want to let you know, and I think my wife would back me on this, just because you're in a hurry to get married doesn't mean you get the best person. So I just, I just I speak yeah. on behalf of my wife. So you'll find the right person. When Thank you. I appreciate that. No, I mean, I took her, I took her out for You were coffee. supposed to say something more lines like, no, Brian, you're probably a great husband too, no I think right? she I, did it right I think she passed over that like yeah sure no I mean, your wife is a very lucky woman <laughs> so anyway uh, no, we were laughing I, I took um, Diana is her name I took her to coffee and we were just laughing about it like I can't believe I met you in eighth grade and now you're married and you know how am I still single that's we're just joking but anyway um, so when she was an eighth grader uh, the I forget what ballet company came to the Dorothy Chandler and it was Sleeping Beauty. So I really wanted to take her to go see a ballet performance. So we sit up there, it's um, the prologue and it's Aurora's christening and you know they come out on stage and it's the king and the queen, this little baby in a bassinet. And about two minutes in, she leans over and she goes, are they going to talk? <laughs> and I, I turned and looked at her and I said, no, they don't, they don't talk. And she's like, oh, I thought they were going to talk. And then about five minutes later, she leans over again. She goes, like, ever? (laughs) (laughs) And I started laughing so hard. And I thought, and then I I said, no, this is classical ballet. They don't speak. They they express themselves through dance. Yes, this is movement. And you just interpret from, from the body language. And so, you know, from then it was like, clearly I want to expose her to more arts and culture. And I took her to go see the Jersey Boys and, you know, just little things like that that I have kind of taken for granted and not in a, you know, um, egotistical kind of sense. Right. Like, oh, I'm, I'm privileged to have this. But just, wow, I didn't understand. Like, she didn't know that people don't talk in classical ballet. Right. Well, so, let, so let's take a step back for a second because th- th- there is that thing, which, like we were saying, it's like it's not because I feel like I had such a privileged life, but you were talking about this bubble. 
Ex- explain uh, what you mean by that. Like, what's going on culturally in this world where you f- you believe that this this there's there is this bubble with them? Like, why why have they found themselves in this bubble? Is there? I don't want to broad stroke anybody because I'm right. sure you're getting people from all over the place. But you are seeing some constant or some consistent themes with a lot of these uh, girls, correct? Yes. And so, what do you mean when you say the bubble thing? They mostly come. I you know, and I don't want to broad stroke either because it, yeah, you know exactly we, we've got we've got immigrant families. We've got you know people that have been here for generations I would say that there's just this uh, there's a work ethic that isn't required given the family lifestyle okay so that kids at a young age are expected to contribute whether that is through babysitting or you know let's say there's a, a food truck and they've got to go help in the back and cook or um, you know so-and-so's aunt needs help because she's got a large family like they're just um, they're there to support one another, but it doesn't necessarily expose them to the greater outside world because it's kind of like a day by day. This is what I need today. Okay, it's short term living. Okay, you know, living living in the moment versus what's what's strategically planned in the future. I I think it gets a little gray. It's in, like in reactive instead of proactive. Absolutely, yeah. And and you and and, and is, that takes over over time because you don't think about it anymore, right? You right. Just, you're just kind of just going with it, and right. and so you're seeing that there's is that where the lack of encouragement to pursue that to look too far into the future of like yes, you can go to college. We should look at that. Is it almost kind of like um, uh, for many of these families, they're afraid to lose someone to that because then they that it, it it's it it kind of is separate from how they've created their family culture? Is that what becomes difficult? There's, um, so some, some cultures are different than others. There's definitely, um, you know, I, I hate to, you know, broad stroke Latino culture, but, you know, there's machismo going on and, you know, there's certain roles and responsibilities male, uh, you know, males play and then females play. Um, you know, education is also, if you're, if you're first in the family that would be getting a degree, mm-hmm. then it's just so conceptual and it's almost like cliche, like, oh, yeah, I heard if I get my education, it'll be better. But there's just no understanding of why. And is that because there's just not a lot of mentors around? There's not a lot of people you can point to, like people that you know close to that may not really be able to share that experience that really inspires them? Is that part? Of, is that it as well? Or is it just, again, it's just well, that day-to-day thing? Because their families are, like you said, it's what do we need today? We, they have to work. They have to get up. They have to go to work. It, it becomes, there's a routine. There's a system in place. That's what they have to do. So they don't have... They can't be like, well, we're all going to Runyon Canyon to go hiking today right. for three hours. Like, you know, there's none of that. It's just like, well, I'm first going off, to, who does that? I'm going That's to work. I'm going exercise? To work. Get out of here. <laughs> I'm going to work so I can make the money so we can pay the rent so that we can live in this house so that we can, you know. So how, so, so when you identify and, and, and I guess we should be more specific of how you actually identify these, these girls um, to move them towards the future. At some point there has to be a conversation with the family, right? Because it, it, everybody kind of has to be on board, correct? Yes. And the way we identify, so we work with uh, just we're LA County focus mm-hmm. and we start in schools that have title one status, mm-hmm. meaning that socioeconomically they're un, they're underserved communities. They're lower socioeconomically and they qualify for free lunch programs, that kind of stuff. Okay. They're also, you know, it's also a challenge because these schools are so strapped for resources that, you know, teachers are wearing three different hats and, um, you know, we, we work with them to identify a liaison that will coordinate and pass out applications to girls and absolutely there's a parent waiver that we need. So there's a conversation that gets to happen with parents, whether we can do like a back to school night where 
uh, in the evening, parents can come and listen to who we are, hear us present. But I think the strongest um, testimonials we have are, you know, girls that have gone through the program or mm-hmm. maybe another parent saying, this is what it's done for my daughter. And so that's how we get the buy-in initially. Okay. And once they buy in, what's, where do you go from there? That's, like, that's many years. You're saying it's middle school and you said eighth grade? Eight, it was seventh and eighth seventh grade. Seventh and eighth grade. Began. Okay. So this is for the next X amount of years. Yeah. The, 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 you have a, a system in place and what are those systems? What, how, what's, what are the benchmarks in order to get to where you need to get to? So the seventh and eighth graders, you know, academically we don't cherry pick. So I'm, what do you mean by that? Explain that you told me that the other day, but it'd be interesting to kind of, yeah, you know, there's some, and there are great organizations out there. And if those organizations want to focus on high achieving more power to them, mm-hmm. most doesn't do that. Okay. We choose girls that are, because a high achieving student may already have a mentor in their life. Okay. You know, they may already have that extra push. So it's, I mean, yeah, it seems they're already working towards something that they can see and they have a future in mind and they kind of understand that they can expand outside of their five mile area. Yes. And it's it's not to say a mentor wouldn't um, also be supportive. I'm sure. No, right. But But we're looking for the girls that are kind of on the cusp where given, uh, you know, X amount of variables, they could kind of tilt one way or the other. And, and and, and those that can't really haven't looked beyond that five miles that, that, that that are just, they, it's, it's, you can read all the history and all the, all the, you know, all the school books you want and see all these different places and everything. But at the same time, if you don't know anyone else who's ever gone yeah. and no one in your family's ever gone, and the, what, then what's your motivation to leave a five mile radius? You know right. what I mean? That's just all there is. Right. And, you know, so, so benchmarks, uh, seventh and eighth grade. In that amount of time, you are, we're planting the seed that college is possible. So our goal, by the time they graduate from eighth grade, it, they know that college not only is possible, but now they're thinking, wow, which one do I want yeah. to go to? Now there's, but now so there's uh, a decision to be made that's yes. like, choose. Yes. Yeah. And to be clear, these people, this is not a, well, here you are. Now you get to go to college. We, this is all worked out. Where's right. your money? That no. money is n- money is also not a uh, stumbling block or a roadblock, if you will. Right? It's like they can they can get into these schools. There's there we have identified colleges around the United States that will meet um, what they call 100 percent need. Mm-hmm. So when you fill out your FAFSA, expected family contributions, we we can identify schools. Now, granted, the girls have to have the grades to get in. They can't just right. You know, no, I was mentored. It. I get to get in with an F plus average. Right. Like, yeah. Right. It's not. Still have happen. to do the work and be, have the intelligence and have committed to the idea that this is what you're doing. Yes, yeah. But we prepare them and you know tell them here's what your academic route needs to look like. Okay. These are the classes you need to be taking. Okay. Um, so when the seeds planted in middle school, it the it germinates in high school and it the intensity grows. You know, SAT and ACT prep. I don't know if you guys have children that have taken them. Well, but I've it taken. It costs them. a pretty penny to, I, oh, to get those I kinds of services. I failed at those. I was, I was bad at those. <laughs> so I entered podcast college and now I do this. It all worked out. The, so, I mean, and again, in, in, in theory, um, this is all great, but I guess my question to you is, and I, and I know it works, um, and, and we'll, we'll meet someone that it has worked for, but how often are you in contact with these people? So you have these things laid out. Like, what, what's the actual process, the physical, like, 
demand of this process that you are involving yourself in with you. Like you said, you've had people that you've mentored before. Like, mm-hmm. what does that actually mean? So we have touch points every month with these girls okay. that our fiscal year matches the school year. So okay. programmatic year ones from July one to June 30th, any given year. And most will hold a formal event every month. And then the mentors will also meet with the girls once a month face to face offsite. Okay. So it could look like college workshops or workshops on college campuses. This year we're partnering with USC, which, you know, for a seventh or eighth grader to come into this academic classroom, I don't know if you've seen some of these classrooms at USC, but they are, they're smart. You know, you push a button and the projector screen comes down. Wow. Yeah. Dim, yeah. The microphones are there. It's just they're so modern. Impressive. And it's like, this is, this is the future oh, of education. No, but my wife went yeah. to USC and I know some other people that do, and they just let you know, just USC in general is awesome. So <laughs> I, I've heard things. Yeah. It is. I'm USC? a product of the UC system and UC systems is also awesome. But SC <laughs> I mean, we love, uh, we love going there. So yeah, the, so when the girls are walking on college campuses and we'll also invite the parents, mm-hmm. uh, we beta tested inviting the parents this year to the workshops. And what we found is a lot of them work on Saturdays. Mm-hmm. So we need to modify that a little bit, but those that do come, imagine they start to dream alongside with their daughters. Okay. So that's, that's part of how what the, the secret sauce, you know, yes. really make it work. Now they see that there's something more for their kid they and they're like, to. Oh yeah. If they start to believe in it, then they're looking to us for guidance and that's, you know, that's the perfect match. That's what we want to build. Yeah. What is the, um, uh, do you do uh, when it comes to colleges and you said you have connections all over the United States, do you uh, travel with the kids as well to take them to visit these colleges or at what point do you pull back? We, so every year, regardless of uh, grade, they will be on some sort of regional college trip. Okay. So this year we went to Chapman university and Cal state long beach. All of them were invited um, for girls that are higher performing academically, then we'll introduce them to selective colleges back east. We did a back east tour last year and visited over 10 different schools in Pennsylvania, D.C. area. And, you know, one thing that we'll try and do is let the colleges and universities know, hey, this is our program. We know you need diversity. We know that, um, you know, not just ethnically, but also geographic diversity. They need more women, you know, in their schools. So we want to set up partnerships with them. So our biggest success, an achievement last year, was with Lycoming College. It's in Lancaster, Pennsylvania. Okay. They have promised, we have an MOU signed with the president of the university, saying that if a most girl gets in, then they will meet 100% need. They will give her a dedicated cohort of first-generation students that she can meet with, as well as a college counselor for all four years that she's there, which basically means she's getting a full ride, and she feels like she's got a posse of people that understand who she is, and it's her background. Okay. Wow. Yeah. Wow. Now, we love like coming. I was going to say, just and, and is it to get... I, I feel a college who does something like that is a college that is actually concerned with education and, and, and bettering the students that show up there rather than like, give us money for football right. <laughs> or whatever. You know what I mean? No, President Tracti, he came to our last workshop. He just happened to be in Los Angeles and he spoke with the girls and he talked about this is, this is what Lycoming, you know, demographically looked like when I entered. I saw the need for diversity. Here's what, you know, I've done with my team. And the girls were just so impressed. And so were the parents. You know, yeah. it, was, yeah. it was great. Is it a select few that want to, you know, you're talking about that five-mile five bubble. And now we're talking about people going all the way to the East Coast by the time they 
Now, granted, that's that's a long time between eighth grade and and yes. uh, graduating high school. That's why we but have to start. Still, yeah, but but by, but you, st- you and I have left, and Peter's traveled very far as well. We've we've left our families very very far away to just come where we're coming from, and we were probably a lot older when we made those choices. Um, well, but, for those uh, girls to want to go that far away, I mean, that's that's but, still a big. That's another big, huge step. Sorry, go ahead. I was going to say, but I think that's then you start in eighth grade. Like yeah. the reason, like I was at at eighteen, was like get me out of here. It was because I'd seen and read and know and knew people who had left and talked to people who've traveled, and it was like, yeah, I'm doing that. Like it, I, it wasn't like a. You know, I had kind of not like the internet, but I had at my fingertips other people who'd had life experiences that I could be like, oh, okay, yeah, this is what you do. You can move out and live in your car and then you can get an apartment. And okay. <laughs> so you start thinking like that. And you're like, yeah, I can do this. And, and, but that stuff gets implanted early. It's not like at age 30, you can go, hey, dude, you want to go to school in New York? And even though you haven't left this, like, <laughs> what? No, New York, that's terrifying. But if you t- take trips eighth grade, freshman year, you keep doing all that and you're seeing the world and then you, Get accepted to going to the East Coast is going to be more of a uh, an ex- like a positive experience than it is My, terrifying. Minus the cold weather, right? Well, um, that's going to that's going to fuck you, do everybody. Do you intentionally up. take them during a time where they see that there's a different, <laughs> there's actually different weather in this? No, it's always it's, it's July. We don't, we don't <laughs> take them during the worst times, you know, but we'll take them during you know spring. Um, so oh, not, isn't this great? We can yeah, wear scarves and they t-shirts. Don't see that. I remember one <laughs> one East Coast trip. We took them um, to New England. You know, we traveled schools all the way up to Maine. You know, Bates and Colby, <sighs> so cool. Oh yeah. Um, and we went to a, a Red Sox game as the cultural outing. Actually, me, <laughs> cultural me, outing. Yes, well, just angry redheaded people <laughs> screaming at us while they threw beer our way. Anyway, I'm no, yeah, just, I would, I would, go, yes, of course, incredible, of course. But I remember it was 32 degrees, and the guy selling hot dogs was in a t-shirt, and our most girls were, you know, freezing. <laughs> that guy selling hot dogs like, had an amount of alcohol running through his system. <laughs> we left after yeah. the seventh inning stretch. Uh, well, at least you made it that long. Yeah, <laughs> yeah in LA, did. they don't even they come in in the fourth and leave in the sixth. <laughs> And it's really nice weather here. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. In general, yeah. it's almost always nice weather. No, but to, I mean, even when girls do go back east. So, yes, we try and plant the seed as early as possible. Do we succeed with everyone? No. Sometimes we get pushback from the families. And Yeah, we don't want know, them to as, leave. We don't want them. This as, is our family. This is how we do it. Yes. And as disheartening as that can be, at the end of the day, if they're still going to a great school and they're going to be thriving, then we're completing our mission. So yeah. it can't always be what, how we want it to be. Mm-hmm. But, um, you know, we do have girls also that that go back east and you know if you're at one of those small liberal arts colleges it's not a big city it's not urban like los angeles at all right or you know ethnically diverse and we've received those panic calls you know like okay. i can't do this and i don't want to and then you know it's immediate you know triage who can we send and we've got it, that's why we try and so you build. have something set in place something kind of a little thing in place just kind in case of, okay. yes ad hoc sort of triage okay. committee that comes in and it'll be girls already in college mm-hmm. maybe it's their second or third year they're relatively at a school close by and you know I mean we put two girls on the train and we said go spend the weekend with them talk to them let them know that you know this is their first semester it's the hardest semester they're going to experience when yeah. they're away and um, and we were able to make it happen so they're they're good they're staying they like it and and the fact that other like you obviously it obviously brings them a sense of community and like people they can talk to because it's not like you're like okay we got we helped you get into this college and then they're like great see ya and then <laughs> yeah. then you're like but hey this person you know 20 miles from you if you could go help what fuck that person i don't give a shit like you know what i mean it's the, it's very it, it's very 
through this, they're learning that like, yeah, I can go help these. Other, the, you help them. They're helping other people. It's a big pay it forward yes. type of thing. It is. And we have girls, you know, that um, graduate from the program and come back. And I mean, to me, that's that's how I would love to see it. I would love, you know, in whenever this could happen, but the executive director uh, of most, I would love it to be a girl that's gone through the program. That to yeah. me would be yeah, someone who understands so it great. from the ground, from be basically I being someone that. who didn't <clears throat> have have a have a past that horizon, couldn't see past that horizon to someone who is then done all of it through the program and with the help of the program to be in charge of the program. That would make the most yeah. sense. Guys, I got to go. My watch just told me I had to stand up, so I have to go. Uh, your watch <laughs> tells you to stand up. I, that is it drives me nuts whenever it tells me. It also congratulates me that I've accomplished so much when I haven't moved for like four hours, which makes no <laughs> sense. So it's past progressive relations. Speaking of success, we have brought into the studio, would you like to introduce one of your success stories? Because that's what we're kind of talking about. Is At the end of the day, everything sounds great in theory, but, but there ha- there, how does it work? How does it work? Yes. And does it work? And why do you keep doing what you're doing? And I think you can probably introduce us to one of the reasons why you do. Definitely. And you probably wanted me to pronounce her last name correctly. I, could, I would let, imagine. Can I try it? Oh, no, what are you, you saying, want, Brian? Nope, nope. Time, uh, we're gonna, here's what we're going to do. Okay. <laughs> Don't be offended. All right, just, <laughs> okay. okay. Right. Here's what we're going to do. We're going to offend no. you immediately. I'm, I'm going to read it. Don't be offended. Right. And I'm going to give you a leg up. I'm going to read it first. Okay. And then I'm going to give it to oh, you. Yeah. And then you read it. Oh, I'll get it right. you get to say it. I'll get it right. Oh, okay. You'll get it right. It's Opinion. Um, I'd like to introduce to uh, the show program and alumnus manager. Okay. <laughs> Dominique Pinion. Oh. Oh, I said Pinion. Yeah, All right, there we go. Good. That's you put the and forgive me for my my I only I, I didn't read a lot growing up. The little squiggly thing over the end. Yes, that's the where tilde. I kinda, What is it? Tilde. The tilde. <laughs> thank you, thank you, John. John just he um, he he gave me the Midwestern version. That's, uh, of what you guys just yeah. said Chicago. <laughs> that's Latino Chicago is what that is. The tilde. You got the tilde, and then you grow a mustache. <laughs> Give us a little bit. Uh, uh, tell us a little bit about uh, Dominic, and then we'll we'll, we'll kind of ask you a few questions, like you know, brag about her. Is what I guess All I'm right. Saying. Well, this uh, it is. I love this young woman to my left. She was one of the first scholars, we call our students scholars in the program. Mm-hmm. She was one of the first scholars I ever met because the year I was with Anna, you were with, um, partnered with one of my best friends mm-hmm. who was a mentor in the program. So I met her in, when she was an eighth grader. Okay. Wow. And I have seen her grow into the most remarkable woman. And she's a freshman who, in high school now, right? She looks like it. She still looks like she's a freshman in high school. Good jeans. You know, from but but I you know because I was with most for that long, I've seen her grow right in front of my eyes. And I remember at one of our luncheons where she spoke. I mean, just everything the the heart, the gratitude that you felt, and everything that was going on. Um, and how much she said you were like, I oh, thank God for most. Everybody was in tears. And, and my mom still tells me to this day, no, Miha, when Dominique was there, I just remember, I mean, she's so powerful and how many people were crying and the mission. And so we were thrilled that the, you know, just the cards, you know, everything was in alignment for her. She came back to Los Angeles just recently and there was an opening to, for the program manager and alumna um, manager position at the organization. So when we heard she was available, and she actually even has now teaching experience under her belt, okay. it was a perfect match, and I knew immediately she's on my A team. This 
this girl gets to be with most. You do good introductions. Yeah. Wow. <laughs> Dominic, oh, who you. are so Dominic, who are you? Where did you where did you uh, where did you go to school? Where were you at going to school at the time? Mm-hmm. Um, and what was going on in your life at the time that you met uh, the people from this organization? Okay. Um, so I am from Pasadena, California. Okay. I was going to school at Wilson Middle School. Mm-hmm. And at the time I knew I wanted to go to college. You my did. parents yes. My parents are my driving force. Going to college was not a question. Like, you know, like we were going to go to college and my parents just seen how much they worked. Like my dad would sleep four hours a night because he would work so much. So it was more like, hey, like, do you want this life? No, you need to go to college. So it's just the concept of college. And what most did uh, when I entered the program is showing us like how the how like, okay, this is what you need to get to college. So what you need to do is fix that D in your math class and get it to an A. You need to not be taking um, uh, this class. You have, you should be taking algebra, math, uh, and just really showing me the steps. Okay. And, and, and are you, are you, how many people are in your family? I have two. Um, I have to. Uh, me and my little sister. Okay, so and 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 you are the first one, obviously. In your family. Yes. did your sister end up going to college as well? She did, but she didn't finish. She did not finish. Yes, not right now. Um, she and, is going back. And again, which is which is okay. There, there's mm-hmm. no. It's it, you know when people say that, it's like that doesn't mean that you have failed oh. somehow or another. Yeah. It's not. Oh yeah, it, it, not at all. It, there, there's no specific world set for each human being. Mm-hmm. I mean, you can stumble forever, says the guy that's still stumbling. So we do a um, podcast. Yeah. <laughs> So that should just give you just a little hint to where your life could have gone. Yeah, exactly. So, so for you, so let's go back for just one second. In, in, in what you are summing up there, um, some schools are better at having counselors and, and guidance counselors and teachers that are fully engaged. Um, it seems like this program coming in really also either either did it double down or were you not really getting what you needed from that? Because like you said, there's one thing of going... Your parents say go to college. You say I'm going to college, and now I'm going to go get a D in this class. It's like it's like obviously you're going two different directions here. So how how did the, how did that process all kind of come together? It's so my parents one having D's in my household is not a good uh, place to be. Um, <laughs> not when you're bragging about going to college. I know. <laughs> so hearing it from other organizations and other women and having other people really believe in you is what most has. It has that personal touch. Um, and that was just amazing because just having women who are like, uh-uh, like you need to, uh, like hearing your parents as well as these women and seeing your peers all striving for that success, for that A, whatever it is, that goal that we have is just really empowering. And, and when you, when you kind of came into this organization, did you see other, uh, I don't know if I want to call them success stories or what we like, but did you see other people that you could immediately look at and go, Oh, that person started where I started and, and they just did this or this or this, or was it, or were you kind of a first, one of the first people? Yeah, I was one of the first people. Okay. I, um, I joined because my friends joined and I tell my students that all the time. So it's like, okay, you join. Yes, because your friends are joining. But now okay. that Sometimes you're, peer pressure is good. Okay. Sometimes yeah. so peer pressure is good. Here, this is what you got yourself into, and these are your expectations, and this is what you need to do to succeed. So that's why it's like we want um, our students' friends to tell their friends to come and join because once they're in, they see what we're about and what we could do for them. Not yeah. a cult, everybody. Oh. Not a cult. Can I, can, I, can I ask a dumb male question? Yes. From a female standpoint, that's, that's okay. Yes, yes that shirt makes coming. you look fat. <laughs> <laughs> 
from a dumb male standpoint, it, it, is there something about with the women? It's like it's okay if you don't get your education, you'll find a good man, or like whatever. Or like it's okay if you're the if you're you're, you're number two in the family, if you will. Like you don't have to be the the, the bread earner. It's okay if you don't get the college degree. Mm-hmm. Is is there is, is is that still kind of a thing floating around in this world, or is it? it, it I mean. I guess you know you know where I'm going with this. If your dad is Archie Bunker, way. yeah, that might still be Look, the thing. Man, <laughs> yeah. If we learned anything in the last couple of years, yeah, we thought we were the, all yeah. going one direction. And it turns out we were not all going yeah, yeah. one direction. We're not all on the same page. So I'm just curious, like in your world, what have you guys, you're coming from two different places. What have you discovered in, within that world? Or what do you know from within your world? Um, so within my world is just that community. So seeing women, the, the female community, the female community supporting the each supportive, other, yeah, female community, community, and just like having women who are constantly there to empower you. Because we're, I feel, especially now, we're in a stage where we're even more empowered mm-hmm. to ensure that we're getting the the advantage, same advantages as other people, um, males, for example, mm-hmm. uh, as well as they're around. Yeah, they're not going anywhere. <laughs> And so it's the community and also being able to really just share those raw organic stories and seeing like, look, you weren't successful and you still were resilient and you never took no for an answer. You took no, um, I remember this quote, you take no like a grain of sand. So it's like, it's just that constant empowerment because with life's hurdles, life's, life's challenges, sometimes you get put down. So it's just having that community of people to just lift you up. And I know that in, in like my wife is a classic example. My wife mm-hmm. is an extremely successful lawyer and she's had uh, two kids um, and failed on the marriage with me, but she got two great kids out of the whole thing. <laughs> they're still but, married. When he says failed, he means that she just, still a ring she just, he, she failed cause she married him. Yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> Not that I, I, she failed and the marriage dissolved. No, that's still the failure is they're still together. I think is the, <laughs> yeah, 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 exactly. Thank you. John, for she, yeah. That. She hasn't found anyone that she thinks is, she has low self-esteem, I believe. No, no, no. She has no. She's great. Just but my my point is using my wife as an example, and I wonder where this where this comes with in, with you guys too. And if you ever if you ever come across this hurdle, you know, uh, in, in the past it was always like the woman eventually was going to have some babies, and it was going to mm-hmm. screw up whatever path you were taking. You have babies. Buckle up. It may be the beginning of the end. It's time to stay home. Obviously, we restructured that in, the, in our in our household. Because my wife was so successful, was it really important to us as a family structure to be like, no, no, you shouldn't have to stop everything you're doing just because you had your children, you know? And my wife has continued to have that. Is that ever a fear with some people? Like, oh, well, at some point, there's this other part of that looming part of my life that I knew growing up that all, I saw that fabric around me in my, in my, in my five-mile bubble. Mm-hmm. Does that ever become a fear that ever comes up of like, well, yeah, but then what happens? Like... I get this degree and I want to get a job and then I start having babies or whatever, you know? Or did, that, did they never think that far? Um, so growing up, my grandma, and this is with time as well, because my grandma would say, you know, marry rich, marry rich. <laughs> okay, like, so you know exactly what I'm talking man. about. Yeah, okay. I do understand. But I would always, I'm just, I've always had something in me. So I'm always like, I'm going to be the rich man or woman. Like someone's going to marry me and become rich. <laughs> um, so now actually, because like how times are changing, my grandma too, she's very like empowered. And like in my family, it's <laughs> always asking like, ¿Y el novio? <laughs> and the boyfriend. So now that's like, stop because it's like, no, I'm focused on my career. And now in conversations with my grandma, she's like, good career first. 
So it's almost kind of like you changed her. Like normally, that's right. You always look to the older people to get the Mm -hmm. guidance, the wisdom, the whatever. And you're saying, no, things can change. It can. You can. You can turn that. I think my grandfather has finally accepted that. um, You know, I am single. I am powerful, and I'm actually not a lesbian. No, and I get You're like, joke. I'm batting 400 I'm, on my softball team. I'm good at bowling joking. and no, not that's, a lesbian. Dude, I, I don't know if that ever, that, you, you, I don't know if you ever had that in your family. I come my from my a dad thought family. I was a lesbian for a really yes, long yes. time. John, you're always with girls. Yeah. Clearly, <laughs> oh, look at this <laughs> lesbian over here. Got the beard. <laughs> the, um, no, but it, there, there is, uh, there, there was that, there's that weird thing from a different generation. Like, well, what's taking so long? Clearly. There's quote unquote something wrong. Right. With you, right? But that generation that, also thinks you should be married with three kids by the time you're 25 right, years yeah. old. And yeah. that is insanity. Yeah, the whole to meet me. your high school sweetheart, you know, get oh, a picket fence yeah. a job and just start yeah. having kids immediately. Uh. No, yeah. My sister, I mean, even at one point, my sister, you know, asked me, you know, kind of like, hey, you know, I, I'll still love you. Like, are you, <laughs> are you a lesbian? And I literally, um, I remember telling her, like, you grew up with me. Like, we, had the same room for you know x amount of years like you know that i like guys like you saw the brad pitt and Corey feldman pictures on my wall (laughs) you're confirming Corey feldman you kids on the block (laughs) you saw donnie joey marky and mackie or whatever all their names are but but yeah i mean there is this conversation that i think a lot of women uh, hard-working women that you know, maybe I'm just cut from you know a different cloth. It's but no, I, that's the thing. I think that's unfair that you have to think that way. I think it's unfair that you have to feel the questions of, do you like men or women? Because you you want to succeed in life. Like, and first off, we should be very clear that if you like men or women, whoever you are, we don't give a shit. Right. Yeah. I don't off, like either. But but it, it would go- probably be easier if I liked women. You know what I mean? <laughs> <laughs> Nothing in life is easy. I always thought, I always thought that I was like it would just be easier if I was gay. Me and my buddy, we could just a lot of high fives, have sex, high five, get beers, watch the game. Everything would be, but you know that no I'm matter here what. To inform you, you can actually do that with women now too. I don't know. Yeah, I know. We do, and we do. We and you're married. I me and my wife high five. We watch the game, and she's See? like, "That's enough women of the game. High, Turn it off in the learned? fifth inning." Women high five. That's what we've gotten out of this. Whole I force it though. I always like, "Don't leave me hanging." And she's like, "Ugh, we're still I, doing this." I, I don't think women are fans of the high fiving. I think they think I it's one think of our weirder traits. Society is probably not a huge fan of the high five at this point. <laughs> I think maybe we're hanging on to it for whatever. Terrible reasons we might have. <laughs> total, total, total. Getting off the point just for a second, but I love the fact I have two boys, two young boys, and I just love okay. the fact when they learn things. You always forget that when until you have kids, you forget everything is a, there's a first of everything, mm-hmm. and you forget that, especially with young kids. So when my kids finally learned the high five, that was cool. But when they finally learned that you could fake the high five, Ooh. that was way more annoying oh, yeah, in my house Psych. because I got tired Psych. of having yes the constant oh, like hey, Dad. yeah yeah Psych. yeah. Yeah. Though yesterday, the new thing in our house, which you would think they would never even care about, and we'll get back to you in a sec. You would never. <laughs> it's Brian's time right no, now. I just, I just, because I think it's funny that you know, um, you would think in today's society with all the technology that we have and all the distraction we have—phones, video games, you know, massive television—that they don't care about basics anymore. And my kids, for a full day, were like, "Dad, do you want to see magic?" And I'm like, "Sure." And they walked over. And they're like, do you know that this pen has ink in it that can be erased? And they kept showing me like they were most fascinated with the erasable pen, which I grew up with in the 80s. I was like, yeah. yes, and thought, what kid would even care? That? I'm like, of course you can erase ink, dude. You can delete on a computer pen. Like, of course you can do that stuff. But they were like, this is magic. This is a magic so cool. stick. Okay, so they just found around. a pen that could erase it, and they thought, I thought I was waiting for a magic trick. Is there no magic trick? That was the trick to them? Uh, I'm talking about children. Most okay. of their magic tricks... <laughs> 
as one of our, our, our well-known friends, Matt Knudsen, says, if you want to you know, do a magic trick in front of the kids, you're like, okay, uh, close your eyes. And yeah. you do the magic trick, and now, now you can open it. Yeah, the like, coin oh, has disappeared. Fantastic. That's, that's magic to children. <laughs> um, but yeah, but going back to put my question and kind of how you guys were presenting it, it is interesting to me that there's these subtle little, I don't want to say jabs, but this subtle misunderstanding of like, yeah, I get what you're doing here, but what about all those things we're supposed to do? Mm-hmm. Like the whole like settling down, getting social the, constructs, right? It's so social constructs. So how you do you? Is that is, college? Do you do you, do you, <laughs> you compartmentalize that, or or do you like how do you deal with that? And how do you? I'll ask you how you deal with it, and I will ask you if that if that comes up in conversations mm-hmm. as you're moving along mentoring. How do you deal with it? Mm-hmm. Um, so with social constructs is just understanding that you need to be the best you and um, like no matter what. Yeah, that may not it, fit into whatever. It might fit yeah. into the norm and that's something we're teaching our girls that um, the norm is something that's created by society. The norm should be what you want to do. You go after your passion. Um, the last workshop we had was tapping into your mindset, finding out the way you think, like what, what, skills do you want to grow and that's just so important because these social constructs i feel that a lot of women just get trapped into it and they don't understand that and this is just not with our program in general i be i started working for this program because i've seen so many women just be so stuck in these constructs that it's like oh okay i'm going to be a teacher i'm not going to go and be in leadership because uh these these uh, aspects will block me and I don't want to compete with these people. It's like, no, if you want to do something, you have to understand those unique skills. The I could go on. But those That's, unique no, skills, those that, that innate beauty that you have to veer away from these constructs that are limiting. And, yeah. and this, some of this you obviously learn from most, correct? So when you're, lo- when you're listening to it, you're like, yes, because you did say workshops. And is that, so you mm-hmm. guys are aware of these things, and so you have the workshops to deal with it? Oh, yeah. I mean, it is social and emotional learning. You know, okay. and our last workshop was on personal mindset, growth or fixed. Mm-hmm. And we give really fun, you know, our version of SNL skits, like education through comedy and humor. The girls love it. But really, you know, we brought in a theater company to... Um, you know, work with them on movement and, you know, self-awareness. So all of this, we, we empower them to rewrite narratives. Okay. So I think that's, that's the work we want to do. And in terms of, you know, mentors, it's so funny. Uh, we'll, we'll have mentors. There's kind of like a generational gap with mentors. It's usually women that are coming right out of college, ready to start their career. So they're really wanting to give back. And I think with millennials, it's like this big push to give back. On a, on a global scale. I think millennials think globally, too. And then we also have... Um, so then once women start to get families, if they have young kids, they're not going to be mentors. It's not appropriate. They're, they have a lot. Right, yeah. Know, a lot I'm going to ditch my kids to go help right. make sure another kid right. is raised well and yeah. has a good <laughs> outlook on life. But when, they're, um, when their kids leave for college, then we have the en- empty nester population. So that's the gap. And they like, want to come yeah. and give back. So, you know, and then a lot of the women on the board, I took a tally recently and a lot of the women actually don't have children. And I thought, wow, you know, cause there's, um, there, there are a lot of women that don't have kids and I don't know if we kind of 
understand that or like is it abnormal not to have it because i know a lot of women that haven't had that yet so i think it's it's becoming like one everybody's different and and i think in the past it's been like you know even just go back to the 50s like you go to high school you go to college you get married you have a kid you have a family you have a job this is your thing if you're a woman you stay home and you cook if you're a man you go out and you earn the money like that's and then people like somehow that like really stuck like really stuck where it's like it's like (laughs) your wife's the breadwinner what's that like to the point where it's just like jokes upon jokes have like built up over decades (laughs) you're like why it's because people just get stuck in that way of thinking so then they don't realize that it's kids aren't for everybody right you know what i mean and 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 you can do and 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 we got plenty of them in the world that's my other thing is is like there are so many kids who have already been born who are being neglected abused forgotten about on a regular basis every second of every day like if there are people that want to donate their time and and mentor and help kids there are kids that need help you know what i mean like there you don't need to be bringing more kids that are going to (laughs) be dysfunctional but like the ones that are already here like you know we can't just push them off a cliff we might as well try to make them productive members of society so that we can all live better lives. So what John and I are saying as men is, you know, you guys don't have to have men in your lives and you don't have to have kids. So let's just... We, have, we, we have love a, men. We have, we're, please, not, we're not male haters. Please don't have, tell my wife she can live without me because that will... <laughs> that, that's news I don't want no, her to have. I feel a huge calling to, to support children in general. Yeah. And, yeah. you know, like I will, I will take that... You know, this ain't my first rodeo. I'm very spiritual... But, you know, I think I've had them before. You know what I mean? Like, it's not a, it doesn't feel like a void. It just feels like there is a need and I'm compelled to support kids that are already here. Sure. And, yeah. and the door is open. If I have them, great. If yeah. I adopt, if I, you know, any of that. Yeah, so. yeah, yeah. I'm we're just, uh, it's, it's nice that, that uh, I think we're coming out of those kind of like social constructs, those yeah. kind of walls that, yeah. like, that's just com- confining people. You know what I mean? I think as as universally, I think we're just becoming more conscious and we're and we're realizing that who we are isn't this structure that we've been taught or whatever. Yeah. Mm-hmm. yeah. And I was just joking. I, it's funny that you we put that up. We we all know that this is not a man hating no, organization. We, don't have <laughs> we walked in. Everyone, no, that, but that's the whole joke, on? right? That's yeah. the whole. It's like it's like I'm everything for in society. A good man. Yeah, Come exactly. On, this is great. But that's always the that's always the you joke. Heard that. It's like five people that no, three people that are watching still. <laughs> we've, we've we've cycled through. You know, we, you we, share. my mom share. will be like, "Well, let me set her up." Like, okay, mom, please. <laughs> um, for you. Mm-hmm. From a, a goals standpoint, um, what w- what was the first big moment for you? Was it graduating high school? Was it graduating college? Um, what's the what's the next? Pe- was it getting the job here? Is there an other? Is there another goal that you want to obtain? Like, I do. Had you have the certain set things in mind that mm-hmm. um, some that you've hit, some that you have not? So my first honest goal that like I feel like I achieved and it was just amazing was. When I mentioned about most is most provides the how. And what we also do is we also provide different opportunities that you never would even think existed. So when I was 16, most was like, hey, you want to go abroad? We have someone that's going to help fund you and teach you how to fundraise for yourself, too. I'm like, oh, yes. So ended up at 16 going to New Zealand for two wow. months all paid for. There was um, some that was not paid for. My parents helped, and they also taught me how to fundraise money, which was very helpful. Um, So I was in New Zealand, and I was literally on a five-day kayaking trip. 
and I got to sit down. It was Rotorua, New Zealand, and literally just put my feet in this hot spring and look up into the southern hemisphere. And this moment was really big because I've never seen the southern hemisphere. Yeah. And if you've seen the southern hemisphere, it is gorgeous. Just the stars, like the way they surround the moon, it's amazing. So being there was my first moment like, dang, I could really... Um, run the world. Run the world. I know I was about to say, I was about to say fuck shit up, but <laughs> fuck shit same up. thing. Same thing. Yeah. I use that all the time to like inspire my friends. Like, nope. Um, like they'll complain about something. I'm like, go fuck shit up. Like, yeah. Because it's like that moment's like you're so small. As they go over, this- they start wrecking a couch. You're like, no, 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 no. you're you completely yeah, 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 no, the moon, the southern hemisphere thing is you. You, you miss the other parts. <laughs> It's just like you're so such a tiny piece in this universe. Like there's so much that you can do. So after that, I I one of my big goals was getting into. I knew I was gonna get into college, okay. but I was applying to Cal States. Um, and nothing wrong with Cal States. They're in states, but I just didn't believe that I could get into a private college. Okay, because I didn't have the grades. And then I had my mentor DMA, who literally was like, "No, honey." She made me rewrite my essays like more than twenty times sitting at my computer from a.m. to p.m. Like, when I mean a.m. to p.m., like, She doesn't mean 11.30 in the morning until 12.30 in the afternoon. <laughs> yeah, I know. I'm in, like, Technically, 12 that hours, is true. 12, 10 to 12 hours working on this college essay, and I got into Syracuse. Okay, awesome. Across so you're the East country. Coast or yeah. you're on East Coast? Yes, and when we were talking about the weather, I cried. Yeah. She's like, here's a picture oh of a man gosh. shoveling snow. And you're like, yeah, I don't know. What is know. this? I <laughs> I oh, my it. gosh. The snow in Syracuse is awesome. Awful. Yeah, how was that first semester? It was that first semester. I cried, and I met like my best friends because we cried together. <laughs> and all in the same sleeping bag because we didn't get hypothermia because it wouldn't stop snowing. It was it was an amazing experience because it was more of that like look how small you are in this world and yeah. what you could really do like what can you bring to this world? So coming into this organization, it's like bringing in the that or um, emphasizing a lot the um, social emotional. Uh, concepts, these non-cognitive, non-cognitive skills are just so important. And that's, that, that is what became my goal, just okay. bringing in the social-emotional concepts in women. Because as an educator, I was surrounded by people where I, they could do so much. And it's like, come on, just look into yourself and understand that you could do all of this. Today I met with uh, one of our scholars, and she told me, she was like, she said she wanted to be a teacher. And I was like, okay, you want to be a teacher? Why? And just really veering into her mind, like, why is it that you want to do this? And after talking to her, and I was like, you could run a nonprofit. You could do this. You could do this, this, and this. And today she was like, you know, I was thinking about what you said. She was like, I want to run shit. And I was like, <laughs> yes. So that is my goal. It's like helping women understand that they could run shit. And, do redefine, and redefining what shit is. And yes. really yeah. redefining okay, That's extremely shit. important. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Dominic, thank you for uh, sharing your story. Yeah, yeah thank you very much. She's a superstar. Yeah. I love her. Yeah. She's a rock star. <laughs> Gotta you. have the passion. Yeah, yeah. you guys passion. are both rock stars. Yeah. yeah. She's my A, she's a team. <laughs> a team status. Um, Peter, you want to step in just for one sec so we can, uh, we can finalize the conversation here? Thank you. Oh, uh, thank you so much. Thanks. Yeah, thank you. Awesome. Oh, now one person's watching. It doesn't matter. <laughs> It doesn't matter. Facebook Live is what it is, yeah. right? It doesn't matter. Yeah, it's an ex- every, life is an experiment. It is. Right? It is. I have no idea what's going on. 
Um, my mom. I forgot What's my that? lab coat. It's, it's probably your mom. mom. Does your mom know? Oh, okay, yeah. your mom. Your mom's watching. Supporting. Thanks, mom. <laughs> we we tried doing this one with Periscope, and we would just laugh at each other. We'd, it would be at, we'd at a point like twenty minutes in, we had like zero people paying attention. <laughs> you're like, what? Who? It was I like can, a hundred for three minutes, and then not none for the rest. At, at that point, I'm like, I could just go to MySpace right now, and like I could be alone, and just enjoy myself, <laughs> right? <laughs> not have to worry. I like how you have to go online to be alone. You could just close the door and be quiet too. <laughs> Love the organization, and I, I think that if I hadn't been helping out Peter, I don't, I mean, I probably, with no kid, girls in my family, mm-hmm. odds are I would never have found out about it, and I'm starting to get to this point in my life where I actually like finding out about new things, experiencing, you know, running into things that you, it would just be off your radar completely, and I know that there are a lot of organizations out there doing a lot of great stuff. I'm glad we got to meet you guys and find out what you guys do, and I, I truly believe that this world would become a better place when more women are in charge. I truly do believe that. I know that there's a lot of men that are keeping a wall between that because we like our control. But I think they believe it too, and that's what scares them. That's what scares them. (laughs) Yeah, right? Some of the best bosses I've had in my life have been women. The best bosses. I will also say I've had terrible bosses that have been women. I've also had terrible bosses that have been men. It's like, yeah. But my point, but the sample size when I was growing up of how many women were actually allowed to be given that power was very small compared to how it's continuing to grow right now. I'm just saying Mm -hmm. that. I'm not. Each person individually must be judged on their own as an individual. Right. Yeah, and John may have been a terrible employee. I would definitely. I, I will definitely. I was sure. definitely a bad employee up until I've always been a bad employee. Okay, good. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> but you're still not going to take from my point, my belief, which is the world would be a better place when more. Hey, women fun fact: the woman who told me about most mm-hmm. lives in your neighborhood, and her daughter goes to. Um, your kid's school. She does, so that her daughter knows that I'm the PTA president or have been in the past. That's good. She was the one who called for the impeaching. <laughs> she was like, I've seen what you're that doing with part the PTA. Of the March. And I'm not is, that what, is that what it was? Oh, that's what I, I was gonna ask you guys. Did you did you participate in the day without women or we didn't formally do it as a program, but we had mentors go and you know, I obviously went with my entire family and um, yeah, it was it was amazing. Yeah. I loved it. Do you think that if we had uh, could do a day without rich white guy politicians that we might get some positive shit done in this country? Or do you think that... A little more peace and harmony. Yeah. A little less panic For at least one day. <laughs> <laughs> all right. We all thrive on chaos. Yeah, so let's finish up yes. with... Um, so most is music. going to uh, be... How would you classify it? That would be your... For Crellapalooza, it is the... Beneficiary. The beneficiary of Crellapalooza floor. On April 1st at, uh, they call it Largo. Largo at the Coronet. And why is that? Because Largo used Largo, to be somewhere else back when you Largo first started? Largo used to be on Fairfax across the street from Cantor's Deli. Okay. And uh, uh, at one some point, I don't know uh, why it happened, but uh, they lost that space. Okay. And then uh, they partnered or took The Coronet was already there. The Coronet yeah. Theater. So people knew that as the Coronet Theater. So um, rather than rename it. Um, they call it Largo at the Coronet. So they took over pre-existing theater, basically, yeah. that was already there. Got it. Okay. And again, Peter, share with us who uh, the exciting uh, uh, um, acts that are going to be on there. Okay. It's actually going to be hosted this year by Garfunkel and Oates. Hosted. Um, okay. This just in. Oh. This uh, just in. Uh, it t- may not have been, but I felt good saying t- it. Tig is going to headline okay. the show. Okay. Um, Which is kind of what she did last year? She Well, she, last year she hosted... And and headline, yeah. yeah. Um, so uh, we have two, I guess, middle acts who 
sell out, you know, huge <laughs> venues, headliners. Yeah. <laughs> um, so basically, everyone's a headliner. Yeah. Everyone is yeah. not just headliner, but some of the most high-profile uh, comics slash entertainers, um, period. Sarah Silverman, Margaret Cho, Tig Notaro. Garfunkel and Oates. Garfunkel and Oates. And the Speed Painter, which is John keep perking up and getting excited yeah. about Speed Painter. Amy Berkman. Amy, Amy Berkman. Berkman. Yeah. $75. Um, again, it's a small venue. It's about 270 you said, seats? Intimate, 270 intimate All great seats. Um, your, it, your ticket price is tax deductible. Okay. Um, a, lot of, a lot of reasons to be there. No reasons not to be. But on the off chance that you can't make it, you can still donate. That's true. And how can people do that? Let's do some website stuff here, please. Um, uh, they can go to the most website. Do you want to do sure. that? Sure. M-O-S-T-E dot O-R-G. Okay. Some people say the www, but I don't think we need it anymore. I think we're past that. We're past I mean, the, the back end has changed, but the front end never changes, right? Right. Yeah. As <laughs> far as I know. It's always going to be World Wide Web. So always. M-O-S-T-E dot O-R-G. And then Crollapalooza right now, it's a pinned post, so it's the first thing you'll see on our page. Okay. It'll say, buy tickets here. All you do is click, and then... You'll see. You'll scroll down. You'll see a section like "Can attend but still want to donate," and then that's where you can donate. Okay. And do you have a link on there to the Largo site? Uh, I need to check that. We will. Okay. We will. <laughs> <laughs> we will within fifteen minutes of, uh, of this, broadcasting. Yeah. Of this, this podcast. <laughs> yeah. So and thank. Oh, so at the close of these podcasts, we always sing a song. So. I'm joking. <laughs> Well, by song, if you mean John makes a weird noise with his mouth, the answer is absolutely yes. We do. Alejandro, thank you so much. It's for, been a pleasure. Uh, yeah. Thank you so being much. Thank you, guys. You guys are an inspiration. Peter, you're a borderline inspiration to me and you know, more so to my kids. And I'm, uh, I'm an inspiration to myself. <laughs> uh, thanks for listening, guys. See was, you on the uh, next one. Yeah. Thank great, you. Great episode. Thank you for listening to Hollywood Anonymous. Don't forget to follow us on Twitter at Hollywood Anani. That is short for Hollywood Anonymous. You can also follow John individually at John Huck and myself, Brian Irwin, at Brian Irwin on Twitter as well. Both of us can be found on Facebook. You can also Google us and contact us directly, HollywoodAnonymousGuys at gmail.com. Thank you again so much for listening, and please don't forget to subscribe. <laughs>